you, Pastor Andrew, bringing us the word. So why don't you stand and welcome him? Beautiful. And why don't we stay standing and why don't we applaud the worship team? Wasn't it amazing? Praise and worship. You know, I think we're spoiled. Honestly, I think we've got an incredible praise and worship team here, nice and early. Some of them get here at quarter to eight. Aren't they awesome? You may be seated to the person next to you and say, you are looking amazing. You know, this week, um, you know, marriage can be a challenge, right? Had a, um, had a bit of disagreement with Marianne this week. You're quite shocked, right? And she's, and uh, you know, how many people know I'm a New Zealander? Yeah. Just honestly, just felt like going home to New Zealand. Got a little bit emotional, got a little bit hard. Anyway, I was out, um, walking on Brighton Beach, as I do. I love to get out there and just walking. And I, um, you know, just earthing, you know, shoes off. Just kick the sand, just feeling a little bit down. And I kicked the bottle. And I pulled up this bottle and um, it looked like a genie bottle. <laughs> so I rubbed it and a genie popped out of Brighton Beach. And the genie said, you've got one wish. And I said, one wish. Man. And I said, right now, I, I just want you to build me a bridge to New Zealand. And he just said, he looked at me in the face and said, no way. No, I can't do that. And I said, okay, you know, I'm married. How about you just help me understand women? And the genie looked at me and said, do you want lights on that bridge? <laughs> Sorry. That was care of, where's Gareth? That was your dad's joke. <laughs> he loaded me with about five or six jokes and said, use them. So let them know that I use that joke. Do you forgive me? We need to pray for the word of God, don't we? We need to pray to bring the presence of God back. And God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for its authority in our lives and across this earth. God, I thank you that it enables us to live our lives, God, under your protection, under your authority, and with your intent, and with your purpose, and with your blessing. And God, we just release it in this place. God, we release your word into every aspect of our lives, and we open ourselves to it in your mighty name today. In Jesus', in Jesus name, we all said. So I'm going to continue with my, th my topic is you and the word working together. And my scripture for today is um, powerful, verse 16 of Timothy. We're going to have it up on that. There it is, 2 Timothy. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everyone say every good work. And last week, I, I just focused on that last verse, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we summed it up this way. Let me just read out how that last verse, what it actually says. Let me read it out. It says that, that equipping us for every good work, that living out, this is what the Word of God wants to do in your life. Are you with me? God wants to draw out and to help you discover and develop your natural abilities, then add to them the things and people and resources needed so you can every day, in every way, with honorable and upright intentions, work, labor, and create enterprise for your God-given purpose on this earth that will bring glory to God. Amen? That's what the Word of God wants to do in your life. That's its intent. That's what it's released to do. That's what it's working. Every time you open the Word of God, we know that the Word of God is God. Amen? And I love it when we in here, and I love when we sing songs about the presence of God. But I tell you, it's not just in worship. Every time you open your Bible, you're in the presence of God. Because Jesus says, I am the Word. Amen? And the Word became flesh as Christ. Amen? So every time... Every time you open the Word of God, every time you engage with it, you are in the presence of God. Amen? So I want to look at that, that first part. We're going to go back a verse, to verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I want to explain to you today how the Word of God works in you. Amen? You know, I think it's good for us to love the Word of God and know that it is God and know that it has inspiration from God. But how does it work? What does it actually do to you every day when you engage with it? So we start off with all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Let me just tell from the outset, you need to realize the Word of God in its entirety was inspired by God. Now, you might think, oh, Andrew, I know that. But you know what? I am, I am kind of tired of hearing picky People picking and grabbing and going, well, maybe that's not, can't really be, or that's not really what God's saying, and that's not really what that means. It is what it is, amen? And it will not be popular. Come on. It's inspired by God, and we need to realize that all Scripture is given by inspiration, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Everyone that wrote the, the Word of God, their, their pen, you could literally say their pen was moved by the Holy Spirit to write it. Amen? Every word, every phrase, everything in its entirety was inspired by God. It is a fundamental belief that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. If, you, if, if, that's, if that's some sort of debatable thing in your, word, in your world right now, I tell you, you're going to miss out on all the power that the Word of God is. 
because it's supposed to confront you. It's supposed to challenge you. It's supposed to do so much in your life. We need to see it and believe that it is. Let me just give you some evidence for a moment just on the Word of God itself. It's not just a book, but for a moment, let's look at it from that perspective, from, from I guess, a secular view looking at the Word of God, the evidence of prophecy, the ability of the Bible to correctly predict events uh, is like nothing else. Nostradamus, these other people have no, nothing on the Word of God. The Word of God has been proven time and time again. In the book of Daniel, it predicted Christ and it predicted His, his um a promised saviour. It predicted way in advance the rebuilding of Jerusalem. There are more than 300 prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus himself that were predicted in the Old Testament. Amen? Way beyond anything else out there. The Bible has actually proven itself time and time. You can attack it from a secular point of view, looking at prophecy. What about the evidence in in um, historical accuracy is unbelievable. Scripture is like nothing else out there. Nothing recorded by Egyptians or Assyrians. Archaeological confirmations by the Bible have been recorded and they've been used right across this earth. This guy called Dr. Nelson, he's the profound, the greatest modern authority in Israel archaeology. He said, no archaeological discovery has ever con- um, has never contravened a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or in exact detail historical statements in the Bible. And by the same token, proper evaluations of biblical descriptions have often led to amazing discoveries. The Bible has come under all sorts of scrutiny. It's been around for a long time. It is in the inspired Word of God. Scientific accuracy, you've got to understand that even scientifically, when the Bible was saying, it, there's evidences that the Bible was talking about uh, nature and it's talking about the, the roundness of the earth in Isaiah 40, 22. It talks about the circle of the earth. You've got to realize in that day and age, science was proving that the world was flat, according to them, way before that. There's so much. It talks about atmosphere in Ecclesiastes 1.6, way before science caught up. It talks about, whenever it mentions things like that, people go, oh, it's by chance. No, it's not by chance. It's the inspired Word of God. Amen? It's been proven time and time again. Verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. (sighs) Inspiration of God. I hope you realize that. You realize when you open it that every single word is inspired by God. Amen? That's why when you pull apart a passage like this, you have confidence that every word means something. Amen? Every word has power. And it says the word, and it says the next phase, and the word of God is profitable. Everyone say profitable. That, uh, that word in the Greek means helpful. It means useful. So the word of God is is. is advantageous to us. It's useful because it is God-inspired, not God-inspired because useful. It's useful because it's God-inspired. Amen? And it's useful to every part. And we're going to go through right now, I'm going to talk about how the Word of God 
actually works in you. So when you engage with the Word of God, that you would know how it's working in your life. Amen? The first thing it says, so that what the Word of God does in us, the first one is doctrine. Everyone say doctrine. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So what's doctrine? The Greek meaning for that word is precepts, foundation. It lays a foundation of precepts or principles. That's what the Word of God does. They are like building blocks for your life. This is how the Word of God works. It's a foundation for our way of life as Christians. Amen? Nothing else. Look at me for a moment. There's not another foundation out there for our lives if we want to be believers. It's the Word of God. It is the foundation, the doctrine for our life. It is the way we build our lives. Now, we live in a, in a world right now that is pulling and tearing at that very value in us. Come on. It is doing everything it can to get us to sway the way that we build our lives. And you can't, I can't watch a TV show or a, a channel these days without a show popping up or something popping up that tries to water down how Christianity exists. I watched something on 60 Minutes, which I thought was a really okay show. And Sunday night, and off it went and talked about fundamentalist Christians. And I'm thinking, of course we are. Amen? It said, it was perceiving everyone that's a fundamentalist Christian as a negative. Well, this is what our lives are. We are built on the doctrine of the Word of God. You want to understand what that is? You are a fundamentalist. There are fundamentalists means there are foundations, there are things that your life is built on that are fundamental to your Christianity. Amen? That's what doctrine is. And this is, the, this is how God wants us. The Word of God, you've got to go to it. It's got to be a referral for everything in your life. The secular media point of view cannot give you the Christian point of view on anything. They will not. They'll twist it. They'll take it out of truth. They'll take it out of context. They'll do everything they can to try and water down this view that we have as believers. And we live in a day in a time like now that we need to realize that the Word of God needs to be our foundation. And if you have any thoughts or queries, you've got to run to it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 9. This is not what we, this time right now, there's pushback on the, on the Word of God. You know, you might have seen, you know, you, I don't know with Israel Folau, you might have seen what he did on social media. Me personally, I think you could communicate the gospel a better way, but that's not the point. The point is religious freedom. We have a right to build our lives on the fundamentals of Christianity. Amen? Whether you believe how he did it, you've got to believe that he has a right to portray that in his life if that is the fundamental belief of his life. Amen? And it's been around for years. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 9. We shouldn't be amazed where we are in this world. But know this, it says, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, 
unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sins led away by various lusts, always uh, learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as uh, Janus and Jabez uh, resisted Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. Talking about Moses' time. <sighs> the Word of God actually says it's going to get a little bit tough. Amen? The Word of God says that we as the people of faith are going to have to know our doctrine more than ever. Because it's going to be assaulted from every angle. It's going to be taught in classrooms, universities, that the Word of God is wrong. And it already is. Aspects of what God says about life are going to be taught as completely and utterly wrong. So doctrine's going to have to become something that you need to focus on, amen? And how do you focus on doctrine? Get a hold of the Word of God. What does doctrine deal with? It, it obviously deals with salvation. We've got people in Christianity that don't believe in that, that there's a heaven or a hell. I'm like, really? How can you divert from that doctrine? I've had people that have just said, you know, I can't believe that God would just... Um, allow people to go to hell what he didn't we allowed ourselves to go to hell he created a salvation plan called jesus we've just got to choose him amen sanctification grace but there are other doctrines or fundamental principles of god's word that we get from god's word when we engage with it dealing with our sexuality that needs to come from the word of god not from out there amen and what's popular and what they think is right. Uh, raising our families needs to come from the Word of God. Church, money, social justice, all those things. I could talk about everything. needs to come from the Word of God. All I'm trying to engage in you is when you deal with the Word of God, you need to go after it. You need to go. It needs to be your reference point. I'm confused about something. Oh, I know. I'm going to go to the Word of God. Look, I'm confused about something. I'm going to go to Google. Or I'm confused about something. I'm going to go watch 60 Minutes. Or, or um, go read No Idea or something. I don't know. Whatever you want to. We need to go to the Word. We need to spend our lives referring to and allowing our children and ourselves to be built on a foundation. That's what doctrine is. Amen? Let me say something. How many people here want to see the blessings of God released in their life? The Word of God says that the blessings and the promises of God are yes and amen. But can I tell you, they're only yes and amen when we build our lives on God's ways. Amen? Grace covers your relationship with, between you and God. It does protect you if you're a believer. Grace covers that so that you can come before Him and that you can change and change your ways. So grace covers that but it does not cover the consequences of you living your life outside of God's ways. Do we get that? 
You want to build a, a life outside of God's way and continue to do that? The Word of God says there'll be consequences to that. That's why God has doctrine. Amen? <sighs> reproof. Everyone say reproof. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Are you okay? You with me still? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. What's reproof? I love this one. This word in the Greek means evidence. That by which a thing is proved or tested. In the Greek, it uses the word to describe reproof and it uses the word conviction. Everyone say conviction. The best way to describe how the Word of God reproves you is by simply building in you convictions. Think about this for a moment. The way that the Word of God reproves in you, its action of reproofing, that work of reproof, is it, the Word of God begins to build convictions. Convictions are biting, absolutely vital. What a conviction does is, is it comes against one of your greatest enemies that you will ever have. Everyone look at me. I'll tell you what your greatest enemy to Christianity is. Your own feelings. Amen? It's not the enemy. He just jumps behind those. He just stirs those up. He just makes them bigger. It, it, your, your, your greatest enemy, the, the enemy of worry, the enemy of, of your feelings, your feelings often lie to you. Amen? You can walk into a room looking perfectly healthy, but feeling like you are completely the opposite. Your feelings are telling you something, but that you are not right now. Amen? We know that. We know that there are powers that are in our minds and in our bodies and our, and our spirits and these feelings. And I tell you what, the greatest way that the Word of God works against this is it begins to build in you a set of convictions. The Word of God begins to place in you convictions that come against feelings. I believe when a conviction is established, it has a power to stand against a feeling. Let me be a little bit blunt. You're a young male. You're with a very attractive girl. She's your girlfriend. No one else is around. You think no one's looking? And everything in your body as a young male is saying, let's take this all the way. And suddenly, in the side of you, conviction goes, boom. No man of God. No young man of God. That's not godly. That's not God's word. And you stop. And you flee, as the Bible says. Flee, youthful lust. Don't stay there. Flee. Get in your car, get on your bike, and take off. Amen? That's a conviction. From that point, that's where you need a conviction. Amen? A conviction that, you know what, this is not right. This is not right for her. I'm going to dishonor her and I'm going to dishonor myself and I'm going to dishonor God and I can't be here. I can't do this. I'm going. And you walk out. Amen? Is that all right? Let me give you a description of convictions. Convictions are not just mere opinions. They are firm beliefs that define who we are. 
They help determine parameters that in turn chart a course for our lives when it comes to convictions. The old saying is true. If you don't stand for anything, then you will fall for everything. Therefore, it is critical that we give careful attention to what is truly important to us and solidify our non-negotiable values. Amen? If you're a young man or if you're a young woman, if you're a lover of God, you need to have and allow the Word of God to build in you convictions. If you're going to go on to enter into anything, you're going to enter into ministry, into a relationship, you have a set of convictions. You say, this is the way I'm going to do it before God. I'm going to live this way. The Bible talks about Daniel. Daniel was a man of conviction. And it says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 to 9, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself when the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Daniel took a stand, had convictions, and he walked in God's favor. Amen? See, when you connect with the Word of God, it builds convictions in you. Come on. The more you connect with it, the more you connect with the Word of God, it begins to develop in you convictions. God knows the conviction you need right now in your life. Maybe you need a conviction that God, God is a God of blessing. Amen? Maybe right now you've got everything going on in your life, and you're like, you know what? I just don't feel it. Well, you need to get a conviction of faith in your life. You need a conviction of blessing that God is for you, not against you. Amen? That all things are possible. Maybe you need that conviction right now against worry that God is there, that he's ever present, that he hasn't abandoned you. That conviction needs to be in your world. Everyone say convictions. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. Let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. Amen. Correction. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Correction. The Greek word for correction is to, to, to realign, to straighten up, to, to make you stand in the right way, to put you back, almost back on track. Amen? That's what correction does. And this is what the Word of God does. As we allow it, it begins to put us back on track. You might have strained thoughts and feelings to do with God. The Word of God will correct you, bring you back into alignment with how God wants you to live. See, sin is described simply as missing the mark. That's what sin is. Sin is straying and heading this way when God's perfect plan is this way. That's what sin is. So the Word of God corrects you back. Oh, I'm going this way. Back. I'm going this way. Back. I'm back. Amen? It keeps working, keeps working, keeps working to bring you back into that place. 
to keep you back in line, keep you on track for all that God has for you. Every time you read the Word of God, it begins to do that. It's like it scans your body looking for the things that are taking you and straying you away. Amen? Every time you read it, it'll start to do that. When you have a relationship with it, you'll see a thought will pop in your head and going, oh, gee, I shouldn't have acted that way. That was silly. Why did I act that way? All they said was good morning, and I thought, oh, yeah. Oh, wow, why did, I, why did I do that? That was crazy. Wow, am I jealous? Am I this? Am I that? Oh, that was crazy. Amen? Because sometimes we don't even know what's going on in our own lives, but the Word of God will bring it out. Don't you love that? So bring about what it wants to do, and it straightens up and aligns, and it corrects you, and finally... Number four, finally, instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And I love this. The Greek word for this is um, educational training by implication. Disciplinary, correction, chastening, instruction, nurture. It talks about... It uses the reference of training and educating a child. It also includes training and care of our, of our bodies and, our, and correcting ourselves and our passions and curbing our passions. Instruction aims at increasing virtue. This is training by implication. This is what this, the finally instruction in righteousness. Let me just say there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge, you can get a lot of. Wisdom is, is the parts of knowledge that you've gained from the Word of God that you're actually applying to your life. That's wisdom. If you're a wise man or woman of God, you might have 20 things of the Word of God that are operating in your life and you're doing them well. You might know 2,000 things, but you're only acting on 20 things. That's the level of your wisdom. Amen? Come on, we live in a world where we can learn so much knowledge every week, but how much do we apply? Amen? And that's what wisdom is. And so when it comes to instruction and righteousness, it comes to the looking at application, implementation. We can hear so much, but we need to apply it and act on it in our lives. And the reality is, from this instruction in righteousness, the Word of God actually releases God to correct you, to chasten you. God does chasten us. In other words, God does discipline us. The Word of God does. That's how the Word of God works. For me as a parent, like my kids can have the knowledge, and I'm going to use a very common example, I could be telling my kids, they could, okay, please don't play on that large, busy freeway. You're going to be hurt. Now, I tell them, they've got the knowledge. You could, they could almost repeat it. They could say, okay, what, do you, what, what, what happens when you play on the road? Dad, we get hurt. Dad, we get hurt. Two hours later, I look out, and there they are on the freeway playing hopscotch. I don't know running around on the freeway. Now, when they came back into my house, what would I need to do to make that more applicable? You get to a point of discipline. 
Do you know what this word, instruction and righteousness, actually, if you look at the Greek, you look at the intent behind it, if you keep on knowing something and not applying it, God will start to do something. Come on. Just like a parent. We don't do it out of a lack of love. We do it out of love. Now, if my kids are there now and I see them, I'm like, hey, I can't believe it. They're on the road. They came back home. We'd be like, whatever, you're a timeout. You're this, you're that, you're, you're whatever it takes to make sure that that knowledge becomes something that you're going to apply. Amen? We only become mature when we... It's not when we just know a whole bunch. It's when we actually apply it. Hebrews puts it this way. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 14 says... For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food, for everyone who partakes only of milk is, listen to this, unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, it describes what full age means. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Amen? That is, those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Come on. We've got to apply the Word of God, amen? Hey, we've got to engage with the Word of God, but then we've got to apply it. We've got to actually start to, to see it work in our lives. That's when we start to mature. What is evil? Evil is described in our actions. We get the band to come up now. Described in our actions when we give in to the devil's ways. That's what evil is. The enemy's plan for your life and for mankind is to kill and destroy. God's plan through the Word of God is to give you life and life more abundant. His plan is to give you good, amen, to release your purpose, to release your fulfillment in life and what you're called to do. Everything about God's Word protects you and guides you and uh, keeps you on the track for everything God has for you. Amen? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. If you've got your Bible, hold it up. Maybe it's in the form of a phone, whatever you got. I'm sure you've got some electronic device. Hold it in the air. Hold, or it could be a watch. Keeps talking to me. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. That the man, a woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when we let the, the Word of God work in our lives, this is what it does. God wants to draw out and to help you discover and develop your natural abilities. Then He wants to add to them things, people, and resources needed so that you can in every day, in every way, with honorable and upright intentions, work, labor, and create enterprise for
for your God-given purpose on this earth that will bring glory to his name. Amen? Our lives are called to bring glory to his name. Can we stand right across this, right across this place? Every time you open your Bible, it begins a process in you. Amen? It releases a relationship with Jesus. And this is, I'm just describing what His Word does, what relationship does with you. You know what? I get, you know what's the the hardest thing for a pastor? is when you see someone walk away from God's truth. Not because I'm annoyed that they've left the church or something like that. It's because you know that the the path they're choosing is going to be filled with pain and the intentions of the enemy, which is kill, steal, and destroy. When someone takes that choice, when someone decides, you know what, this is the way I'm going to live, this is the way I'm going to walk, this is the way I'm going to do, and I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to believe God's word, I'm not going to believe, I'm not going to live my life by that, then they choose that. You are choosing pain. Whether you know or not, the Bible says that sin is fun for a season, and then it reveals itself. It becomes truth. Everything that God's done in His Word and everything that He says is to protect and guard and frame your life so that it has and you have the life that God wants for you. Because every single thought towards you is good. He has a future and a hope and a destiny for every single person. He says that my life is abundant. The enemies is to kill, steal, and destroy. He says, I have come to give you life life more abundantly. And they've, the Word of God has created a pathway for us. Is it easy? No. But I tell you what, it's a lot easier than living outside of God's Word and under those consequences. They take time, but they hurt. Amen? Through every eye closed just for a moment in this place. You know, the Word of God is Jesus. He is the Word. The Word became flesh. And I want to give you a moment in this place. If if you're in this place and you do not have a relationship with Christ, I'm not talking about a, a, a knowledge of Christianity or a knowledge of religion. I'm talking about a relationship. I'm talking about whether or not you have defined that you are a Christian by knowing that you know that you know that you have invited Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior. That you have accepted that He died on the cross for you and you've accepted salvation. And there is no doubt in you about the fact that you're a Christian, but you know that you know that you know that you are a believer in this place and that you are a Christian, that eternity in heaven is a part of that reward. Because if there's anyone in this room that has doubt about their salvation, we call it, or doubt about your relationship with Christ, I want to give you an opportunity today to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? 
every eye closed, we're going to pray a prayer that we pray here all the time. And I'd love you to pray it with us. All you've got to do is mean every word. We're going to give you an opportunity to come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So come on, church, let's do it. Dear Lord Jesus, I accept you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I accept that you died on the cross for me. That you took all my sin and you replaced it with your grace and your mercy. I repent of my sin. I ask for forgiveness and I receive your grace and mercy today. I accept today that I'm a child of God And as your Bible says, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life that I have eternity placed in my heart today. Come into my heart, Jesus. Amen. Every eye closed. Just for a moment longer.